Gentlemen, are we ready? We are ready. Jacked in and ready. Let's go. Beep. Geek Anthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I am joined this week, of course, by the one true fan. And, and today, in honor of Keanu Reeves single-handedly winning E3, we thought we would talk about uh, the genre of cyberpunk. Not just cyberpunk 2077, although I'm sure it'll get mentioned, along with, you know, cyberpunk 20, uh, 2020 and cyberpunk 2017 and Shadowrun and books and... Oh yeah, that one Billy Idol album, which I think this should be the only reference of um, <laughs> ever. Cyberpunk, <laughs> not punk punk. <laughs> no, he he in nineteen ninety, it was either nineteen ninety or nineteen ninety one. He released an album called Cyberpunk. Yeah, let's it is never, not a good album. <laughs> let's never speak of this again. He covered heroin by the Velvet Underground and made it a rave song. This does not make sense. Not from Billy Idol. <laughs> um, in any case, yeah, because he was like the punk in cyberpunk. Man. Yes, he was. He, he was. He was very much a, an '80s hardcore punk. But is this? Uh, is this? Is this like when uh, William Shatner does a spoken word song? Like it makes mm. as much sense as that. Okay, so I brought it up, <laughs> so I'll have to mention it here. By the way, we don't really have much in terms of news. We're in the, if any big news that we were going to pay attention to happened, it would have happened at E3 three weeks ago, doldrums. Yep. Um, the U.S. women's soccer team is doing well. They're going to the semis. They beat France. Rapinoe is now mean. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that's ref- in reference to, and I don't really want to know either. Uh, Rapinoe is, uh, is the lavender-haired uh, forward who has scored every goal Ah, she's their striker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she scored both goals in the game, and her um, her celebration is has turned into a meme. I'll need to take a look at that. Um, yes. Just as an aside, I think in terms of sports, that may be the coolest position name ever. Striker. Striker. <laughs> yeah, striker. <laughs> striker is a fantastic position. That sounds name. like a class in a cyberpunk game, right? Yeah. Striker. <laughs> Although I want to uh, to to also further go down a very quick sports rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. The, one of the most surprisingly badass sports you can ever watch is Olympic level doubles badminton. I believe it. I'm yeah, because you're trying to smack this tiny little fly with big fly swatters. <laughs> and um, I, I caught it once a long time ago at like 3 a.m. on M- on like NBC 12. Uh, ESPNA, Diocho. Because my because my grandfather had the cable package that was what, what, to which the the it had the answer of yes to do you have that channel? Right. Um, I want to make sure I'm I'm thinking of the same sport here. This is where you smack the sh- the shuttlecock. The shuttlecock with the racket. with, the, with the racket with the long handle. Right. And the kind of smallish. It's like a big fly swatter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. the, and is it, doesn't it? It's also it doesn't it have like a net like volleyball. Uh, it's it's a little higher than a it, it's a little lower than a standard volleyball net, but a little bit higher yeah. than a standard tennis net. Right. So it's like a weird amalgam of mm-hmm. of doubles tennis and volleyball. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. And and the and the shuttlecock is like this this little. It looks like an Apollo space capsule. Well, I remember playing. Yeah. I remember playing a bit in like junior high and stuff. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. To to point out just how completely stupidly badass it is, I will look this number up one more time. But um, oh, how many people have died playing it? I'm not sure about that, but um, because one person has died playing men's ping pong. However, it should be pointed out that the shuttlecock, you know, that little stupid piece of clay with feathers sticking out of it, (laughs) regularly in doubles badminton, hits speeds of over 200 miles per hour. Okay, that's just stupid. Because they are just smacking the absolute shit out of the thing. And I thought thought fastballs reached impressive (laughs) Wow. At the same time, if it hits you, it'll kind of bounce off because it's it's an made ounce. out of fucking nothing. Yeah, it's like it's like half an ounce. It's like a poster stamp. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's amazing to watch. And if you ever get a chance, it's a summer Olympic sport. I highly recommend it. China is ridiculously competitive at badminton. <laughs> Well, it's just like the you know the psychotic uh, ping pong players that they train from birth, you know. <laughs> know. It's crazy. It's like yeah. beyond parody house. Uh, but yeah, uh, so cyberpunk. Um. Yeah. So okay. Also in geek news, mm-hmm. um, there's a new Charlie's Angels movie out. Uh huh. Um, and apparently they're making another psych movie. I didn't realize they made a first one. Yep. <clears throat> and in game news, um, coming up for July, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. You get to finally play as a Dark Knight if you Uh, play Final Fantasy XIV. Wait, is this a callback to uh, Final Fantasy IV? (laughs) Yes. Holy cow. Yeah, that hits July 2nd. Uh, Stranger Things 3, the game, hits PlayStation 4, (laughs) Xbox One, Switch, and PC on July 4th. And I'm sure that'll be nothing but excellent. Now, I don't know anything about this he one, but said, it sounds... It because hey, listen, Neil, it has a subtitle of The Game. It's gotta be good. <laughs> because <Right>. adaptation <laughs> games with with name of thing, The Game, have never been bad in the past. <laughs> the Game. <laughs> also, the same principle applies when you uh, flip the script on that shit, and it's blah, 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 the movie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, almost always terrible as well. Right? Street Fighter. So, and this one is... Uh, this Street Fighter, the movie, The Game. Um, right. That's exception right there. Yeah. Um, so this one sounds cyberpunk. I have no idea. It's called Blazing Chrome. It hits uh, July 11th on okay. PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. All the things. Uh, there's some other ones. Uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, hits July 19th. And Kill La Kill IF, or IF, uh, hits July 26th. And Wolfenstein Youngblood hits July 26th as well. Oh, cool. And, oh, get this! This is this is exciting. Blazing Chrome this... is apparently a Metal Slug esque game. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, and then Madden NFL twenty. Madden NFL twenty. Oh shit! I do remember actually some real hilarious geek news that does need to be mentioned, and I almost forgot. Okay. Because it was so ridiculous. So, if people remember, we did an all, a whole episode about gaming ethics and uh, mentioned loot boxes a bit in it. Oh wait, man, are we going to yeah. talk about? So EA <laughs> recently at ro- uh, least recently <laughs> appeared in front of Ooh, I boy. think a European, I think it was like the a Belgian court or something, and they were asked about whether they felt like loot boxes were epic or not epic. Sorry, were not epic. Were ethical. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Epic Games has been in the news a lot recently, and I'm tired. Yeah. And the response from the VP of Marketing from EA was, first of all, we don't call them loot boxes. We call them surprise mechanics. 
surprise mechanics. And they tried to liken loot boxes, the distribution of a digital good in a thing you have likely already purchased, to like buying Magic the Gathering cards or Kinder Surprise Eggs, wherein you get a physical item and that's your only investment in the game. Um, These two do not equal... And pretty much anyone who, like, has half a brain lambasted them on the internet over it. It's, it's a total non-secular. It'd it's, be like if somebody asked her the time and she's like, green! It's, <laughs> well, it, no, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a blatant attempt to try to rebrand the thing they want to do. It's like saying, I didn't punch right. your face, I just gave your nose a surprise fist. At, uh, right. Yeah, a surprise... High five. It was was an aggressive remodeling. (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, it was an aggressive negotiation, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, oh, okay, in in Geek News. Oh, by the way, real quickly, uh, shout out to Penny Arcade for making a great comic about that. Everybody (laughs) owes it to themselves to read the comic. Uh, it's I won't spoil it, but uh, let's just say it has a uh, dialogue of the of the person in question, and um, it looks like she's physically coming apart from the pure bullshit that she's having. To say. <laughs> yes, it was good. <laughs> okay, so carry on, Ben. Um, my one of my few uh, animes and mangas that I that I enjoy, mm-hmm. One Punch Man, evidently is supposed to have a game. One Punch Man, the hero no one knows, the hero no a hero nobody knows, should have a game out sometime into. 2019. Huh. Spike Chunsoft and Bandai, Bandai Namco are looking to... Uh, you you obviously would not be allowed to play a Saitama because otherwise you, you just yeah. walk up to thing, press X, and win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say it would be the ultimate it's, troll. It's just it's one quick time event. Right, you, yeah. When like, it, you punch and that's it. Yeah. Well, it, it's... <laughs> yeah. Well, people have, if people have asked in Quora... Uh, Quora because One Punch Man ever lost. We went, yeah, all the time to King in video games. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, and One Punch Man Season 2 is, is continuing. Um, so. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been watching the heck out of it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Because it, it is the monster, the monster organization. Kaiju... Uh, yeah, the monster. Yeah, the, the monster, monster association. The monster association uh, thing has just been. Yeah. A lot of fun. Right. Speaking so, of kaiju, I saw Godzilla, King of Monsters, recently, and I really enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to our, our Godzilla extravaganza. That I really need to get on the purchasing of the movie yeah. store. Um, <laughs> so I think that's the end for. Uh, there's one other significant thing. Um, they announced that uh, there's D and D Classics Enhanced Edition. Uh, so basically, all of the various like D and D games that came out in the like '90s to early 2000s, mm-hmm. like Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, um, Planescape Torment, Neverwinter Nights, Ice. Well, I own Planescape Enhanced Edition. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, they're doing like actual like physical collectors packs. There's, oh, they're doing nice. like individual ones, and then like a big ass one that just has all the games. Are they gonna do the big the the the, the classic '90s style big cardboard box? Well, it, it, at the very least, it looks like they're doing that for the big you know the the catch all one. Nice. I'm not sure about the individual ones, but I would assume so because. Uh, in a way, even just having a physical product can be a bit of a throwback these days. Yeah. You know? Also, um, 
because we, we're just like, we don't have any geek news except all the things we're suddenly remembering. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, the uh, game I backed on Kickstarter like two and a half years ago, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, shipped. It's it. fucking awesome. It is decided, it, but ju- just just so that everyone understands, it's not Castlevania, wink. <laughs> right. You can tell it's not Castlevania, because if it were Castlevania, it would have Dracula in it, and not this this guy who is the the alchemist. Hmm. And, you know, he would totally not have... I mean, death serving him is not is is not copywritten. No, it, it's it was made by freaking Koji Igarashi, the the man behind Castlevania Symphony of the Night. After Konami said, you know, we're sick of making video games, we're gonna make uh, we're gonna make pachinko machines from now on, because that's where the money is. And so Koji was like, hey, um, Kickstarter, you want me to make another Castlevania game and just not call it Castlevania because everything because nearly everything in Castlevania is public domain yeah uh, so as long as you don't mention Rick the Belmonts and like a couple other small things and you make the castle look different you can completely just make another Castlevania game actually that brings up an interesting question um <laughs> The character Dracula is ancient. Is that is that public the domain? The concept of Dracula, Dracula, yes, is in the public domain. Yeah, you could showing. even theoretically make the final antagonist be Dracula. However, if you want to be careful and not have to deal with Konami getting litigious, you just make him not Dracula. Okay. So it's basically like it's, it's they're building in slack so they don't have to deal with any of it. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. This is definitely yeah. not Castlevania. Right. See, it doesn't say Castlevania on the name. It says Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Well, just right. hearing the title, I immediately my, my <laughs> mind immediately went to Castlevania. I know. So it's, like, it's obvious that's what he's trying to evoke. But and right. and the and and Igarashi's. Uh, logo is still Dracula sitting in a throne drinking wine from Symphony of the Night. Yeah. And when the loading screen is finished, finished, he still throws the wine glass to the side to the ground and breaks it, <laughs> which is decidedly Castlevania. Right. But it's not. But it's not called Castlevania. <laughs> Therefore, it is. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And I accidentally beat it. The when I accidentally beat it in three hours. But I got the bad ending, so like, and apparently I had only explored like 50% of the castle, so you can technically speedrun this game super hardcore, I'm pretty sure, yeah. if you don't care about the ending. The any percent, the any percent uh, speedrun thing's gonna be like maybe 45 minutes, mm-hmm. once people get their tech together, but, uh, so Cyberpunk. <laughs> right. So we have to spoiler of the week. Yes, spoiler of the week. Uh, Deckard might be a replicant. Yeah. Which is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Segway. Yeah. Although not with Blade Runner. Let's actually, start with. Let's start with. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Which is Blade Runner. Yes. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's that's where all of this begins. Back in 1968, um, with the publication of Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. 
Um, by Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick, and that was in. Um, <clears throat> yeah, 1968. Now, in. Um, yeah, I mean, and this was. What actually became cyberpunk was way before uh, the, t- the term was coined in 1981. Mm hmm. Um, a lot of it had its uh, had its roots in the non-utopian realist sci-fi realism that started really in um, New Worlds, uh, edited by Michael Moorcock. Um, you had uh, Zelazny, J.G. Ballard, who was kind of the god of the original cyberpunk, uh, Philip Jose Farmer, Harlan Ellison. Um, and I love... Um, <clears throat> Although the big thing that everyone knows Harlan Ellison for is kind of cyberpunk, but it's also kind of not. I have no mouth and I must scream. I wouldn't necessarily rep- uh, consider cyberpunk. Well, it was more It more started in, in an attempt to bring realism It was just life. sad and dystopian and, yeah. and Harlan Ellison hates yeah. you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hate everything. Harlan Ellison hates everything. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and, and I love the description of it. Um, was it that said this? Um, um, oh, oh, um, Bruce Sterling, one of the other giants uh, of the of the original cyberpunk, called it a combination of low life and high tech. Uh, that was a uh, that was part of his preface to Gibson's Burning Chrome uh, anthology of short stories. So a brief. Primer on what do we mean when we say cyberpunk? Um, there are many things that sort of that are very common to appear to appear in a cyberpunk setting. Uh, setting you're looking at, yeah. Um, you're looking at typically very large. Uh, typically, it's urban. Um, urban dystopian. Yeah, urban with with mega cities typically run by mega corps. Yeah, mega corps are a big part. Mega of that. corporations are a big thing. Um, there's usually a uh, there's there's frequently um, also influence of Asia done took over the economy. Um, Which, surprise, surprise! A lot of the stuff was happening in the eighties. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like art was imitating life. Yeah, right. um, and the prevalence of. Uh, technolo- uh, techno- technology is, is very often available, although usually the use of technology also somewhat dehumanizes. Yeah. And also um, part of that, um, uh, it's its own thing, but you know, it certainly fits in the dehumanizing aspect, is uh, the surveillance state, police state kind of mm-hmm. stuff, a lot of the 1984 kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which sadly has become reality in many ways. Yeah. Although even yes. more sadly, it's uh, it's... Uh, I guess our 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 you know uh, our our mega corpse of our day, where people are just voluntarily giving over all their information. I, I, it's not even an, an, it's not even just a government yeah, doing it's, it. Yeah, it's just people going here. Have all my info because it, yeah, we, convenience or whatever. There, there we is our corporate. <laughs> there is there yeah. is the joke. And admittedly, I actually kind of want one. I want an Echo Dot, but there's the there's the joke of. Screw you, government! You can't have screw you, government! You can't have a listening device in my house. Uh, Counterpose with Alexa. Give me five recipes for for chicken cordon bleu. Uh, Not like that, but I mean, uh, uh, Amazon has all sorts of crony relationships going on with the government. Yeah. So I mean, come on. I know it's just they're, they're, <laughs> that's that's the humor. Is like, yeah, I won't. 
I'll die before I let, and then I buy a yeah. listening device. Well, because, <laughs> right. because Amazon isn't the government. Right. You know. So, yeah. I mean, I just, I've just kind of given up on the concept of trying to maintain personal privacy because I have a podcast that has my first and last name in it. But not only that, our phones listen to us. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Whatever. In any uh, case, um, also, uh, my coworker Ryan wanted me to point out that there's a difference between cyberpunk, post cyberpunk, and transhumanism. Yeah. Um, cyberpunk technology is sometimes also kind of part of the problem. Yeah. Usually, post cyberpunk technology simply is, and transhumanism technology is the solution. Which is why it's not cyberpunk because cyberpunk tends to be very dystopian. Post cyberpunk doesn't strike as dystopian because something else. Yeah, is and transhumanist is usually pretty utopian. Yeah, because the technology has solved all of our problems, and now no one is dying, and there is plenty of food for everyone, and and hooray, yeah. and yeah. you can you can learn all of the things in a second by plugging your brain into the internet. The interwebs, yeah. So another characteristic of cyberpunk is the protagonist, mm-hmm. who tends to be an anti-hero, uh, a loner, marginalized on the fringes of society, um, usually um, in a bad way because of the powers that be, but manipulated into doing something for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, doesn't come out very much further ahead. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> has a lot of at least a healthy dose of nihilism going on. Yes, in a lot um, of these. very much nihilism. Or at least a general malaise, where like it might there might be some sort of you know idea of like the right thing to do and this and that, but then in the end it just kind of doesn't seem to matter. Or at least that's the way the character or characters feel. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, low life and high tech. Um, and life sucks, and you know what? At the end of this move, the at the end of the book, life still pretty much sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's got a combination. The setting usually is a combination also of the hard-boiled detective stories, mm-hmm. film noir. Yeah, you see a lot of that influence, especially when we talk about Blade Runner. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. that was I mean Deckard's thing. actually you know not all that bad off in Blade Runner. Yeah, he's got a place. You know, he's got a life, but just you know, life sucks because you know, a lot of it is I, I think. Welcome to San Francisco or whatever it's called. Yeah. Well, a lot of it, a lot of it is is about more of a um, more of an existential thing. It's more mm-hmm. of a like lack of purpose or like uh, or a spiritual or psychological thing, yeah. as opposed to just like okay, well, someone might be having on the surface they may be doing okay, they may have their like immediate needs met or whatever, they might have a decent house or job. So or there's whatever. there's a pervasive. There's a pervasive feeling of ennui. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about it is that um, it, again, it was you know, originally it was it was designed for it was with the idea of a new realism, basically um, coming from J.G. Ballard, the you know um, a new myth for the modern reader. Uh, more of the somber half worlds uh, one glimpses in the paintings of schizophrenics. Just you know, kind of a, a weird world that you just can't completely understand. Um, and what was the other part? It's like um, 
Johnny Mnemonic. Um, Before it was a bad movie uh, when, in, with Keanu Reeves in it. It was a short story <laughs> uh, by J.G. Ballard in Omni magazine in May of 1981. A lot of the movies that you would point to as, uh, as cyberpunk, by the way, mm-hmm. are um, they're, they're adaptations. Typically of short stories, like yeah. do, do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, um, or uh, We'll Remember It For You Wholesale. Which became... Which became Total Recall. Um, um, or Johnny Mnemonic. Um, Johnny Mnemonic was very, very... It had a lot of the same elements, but the plot was very different. Mm-hmm. See, with the adaptation of Total Recall in the movie, that felt just more like a sci-fi movie, and not really yeah, cyberpunk. That was because they same. really dummied out a lot of the cyberpunk. Yeah, because yeah, at the end of it, uh, in the in the short story, what it is is as long as this one guy is alive, aliens aren't going to invade! Um, because they, they basically altered his memory. Um, and, I mean, it, that, I mean, that vastly oversimplifies it. Been yeah, there, we'll, we'll remember you for it wholesale also has a much more downer ending. Like, yeah. they really downplay it in Total Recall. It's like, wh- I just had this thought. What if all of this is a dream? No, it, it, it's, it's it, as opposed to being just kind of dismissed with a hand wave, no, that's like the cloying, overarching question that you're left with at the end of it. Yeah. What if this is actually all just a dream? <laughs> right. right. But, um, see, Johnny Mnemonic also introduces Molly, the Razor Girl, that ends up showing up in um, in uh, Neuromancer. So we should go ahead and get to the thing that pretty much people really that, that, like, you've probably heard of Neuromancer. Yeah. Odds are decently good. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Really, I just I'm just going to go mute my Discord server real quick. I, I really just hear it referenced a lot. Hey. I've read it, um, but only recently. Yeah, it is kind of the big... Um, it's considered the it's considered the real birth of cyberpunk. Yeah, um, it's it's the it's the one that really codified cyberpunk. Right. Yes, the, there was actually a I can't remember if it's a book or a short story called Cyberpunk, but yeah. Neuromancer is the thing that really like everyone points at is like even though uh, androids came before it to do androids dream of electric sheep. Yeah, Neuromancer is the Oh, so that's a genre now. That's kind of like the analogy I like to use is, um, yeah, Atari came out first, but Nintendo Entertainment System is really when video games became a big household thing. Like, that's when it really got going, like the momentum got going to kind of Um, critical mass, at least in the United States. Sort of, yes, although video games were really big before, uh, like with Atari as well, but then there was the crash. Right. And Nintendo was when it picked up again. It's well, Neuromancer is the one that basically took it mainstream. Yeah, Neuromancer, yeah, is what made it's like. Oh, what 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 would what would be a good example of that? Star Wars and sci-fi. Yeah, that's a pretty good example. Yeah, we I mean, get into semantics with oh, is it is it space fantasy or blah blah blah? But everyone just considers it lazily yeah. sci-fi. So, or for that matter, um, Star that. Wars and fantasy. As well, because yeah. before that you had a lot of like, you had like the Harryhausen epics and stuff, but you didn't really have people trying to make the actual like the sword and sorcery blockbuster movie. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, and then from there, yeah, 
But, I mean, we didn't get really epic fantasy movies again until Jackson did Lord yeah. of the Rings. But people tried for a long time. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, tried and failed. People it tried and failed, but, didn't like... Didn't seem to stick <laughs> yeah. until yeah. then. Um, yeah, it became part of public consciousness and normal um, with that one. Um, I guess that's another big distinction there, is just, like, it becoming part of pop culture. Right. Um... Yeah, and that's kind of when that happened. Now, cyberpunk had become part of that because of the um, story cyberpunk um, that Bethke wrote. And um, the editor of... Um, oh, what was it? I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. So, um, Well, Gardner Do- uh, Dozois... Um... um you also looked at the Wikipedia page. Um, well, and also, I was... Amazing stories. Yeah. Um, I was... Remember, Ben is old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, these were coming out around the time that I was young. Um, I mean, Neuromancer... I was around when, you know, um, Amazing Stories Omni... I used to read Omni. I had a subscription to Omni back in the day. Um, so... And I would pick up amazing stories in the grocery store. Um, and I remember Gardner Dezois' uh, editorials from back then. Um, and they were looking for... Uh, a lot of things back then is they were, they were trying to get away from the whole um, monomyth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, they're saying basically all these tropes are... You know, we, we can't continue to use everything... The monomyth's getting boring, guys! <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, and and, sci- and also we were starting to see the advances of technology in that mm-hmm. day, and they were, they were basically, you know, going, hey, you know what, the the biggest problems aren't going to come from aliens showing up trying to invade. We're having a hard enough time keeping track of the technology and not misusing it because this is also right around the Cold War. But also kind of leads into the whole like Terminator concept of uh, our our own creations. Mm-hmm. Well, that the Matrix as well, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, well, well the Matrix right. is very heavily cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. crazy hard cyberpunk. Yeah, that's and, actually and, that's actually an obvious example that we haven't mentioned because I mean, basically, the world has been obliterated. And there's a small amount of humanity left, and uh, much of them are just you know within the Matrix. And being I honest. could also mention another piece of cyberpunk that we that is super obvious and we haven't mentioned um, and we've done an episode a couple episodes on it Ghost in the Shell right. is also very much super cyberpunk. hard cyberpunk yeah. Yeah. Um, and for that matter so is um, to, to, to also go to, to Japan for a little bit Akira is cyberpunk one of the um, seminal yeah yeah, and yeah there's, a lot of, there's a lot of anime uh, manga cyberpunkish. Uh, some people argue that Cowboy Bebop is slightly is just just barely post cyberpunk um, yeah. and I would I could actually agree with that. It's not cyberpunk; it's post cyberpunk because you don't have nearly so much problems as you did. Just yeah. Yeah. everybody's down on their luck. Right. Um, yeah. Well, Alita Battle Angel is another big example. Oh, I love Battle Angel Elita so much, and that movie yeah. disappointed me so bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, um, okay, quick question, Neil. Which which disappointed you more, uh, Ghost in the Shell or Alita Battle Angel? Oh God, that is really that's really Just hard. Just go with your gut. You just gotta answer right now. Three seconds. Battle Angel Elda. Okay. <laughs> because at, at, the, at the very least, even though they they fucked up the casting pretty bad in Ghost in the Shell, they stayed pretty true to the content. 
Yeah. Now Angel Elena did massive rewrites to one of my favorite stories. And like completely needlessly. Right? <laughs> I haven't even gotten around to seeing it. Yeah, I haven't yet. seen into that one yet. Um but the the other thing that um that we mentioned you it's kind of gone off the rails with it is AIs are a big, big part of um, cyberpunk. Right. Neuromancer is all, is actually driven by the whole mission is driven by an AI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to get out basically. Um, oh shit! The other cyberpunk thing that we haven't mentioned that everyone should, that everyone thinks of, video games wise, Deus Ex. Oh yeah, De- uh, Deus Ex. Yeah, I've never played yeah. Deus Ex, <laughs> but of course we have uh, Cyberpunk twenty twenty. Well, yeah, we're going to get to the cyberpunk games here in a bit. <laughs> um, and, of course, Shadowrun. Yeah. Shadowrun is really a fun, interesting of cyberpunk and, and, and fantasy, yeah. which is one of the things I, I like about it, because it's like, oh, so we're in a cyberpunk world. Also, there's orcs and dragons and, and magic and shit. Right. Right, <laughs> right. now, interesting. there were some, uh, there have been some attempts at that, but it had been all fantasy, like... Um, uh, Sterling's Emperorverse, and way, way back in the day, um, uh, Stephen R. Boyette's Ariel. Uh, Don't know that one. It's basically what if magic came back and technology stopped working? It was the seminal work in that in that uh, in that genre. Um, and the main Ariel is basically a unicorn that befriends the protagonist. Oh, it's not a radio Ariel. Uh, no, Ariel. Ariel. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, there. Yeah, Shadowrun. Shadowrun is like D and D in the modern age, mm-hmm. with cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, so you can be a magic man, mm-hmm. or you could be a, you a know, better. essentially the Terminator. You can't do both because technology erodes your soul. Right. Yeah, it's, right. they're not exactly subtle about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, the more stuff you get put in you, the less essence you have, aka your soul. Yeah. Well, it's it it cyber, get low enough cyberpunk, to become a psychotic. Cyber, no, that, that was that was cyberpunk. No, it, it's in Shadowrun too. In Shadowrun, if you if you lose your essence, if you get below a certain amount, if you barely have any essence left, like really tricked out street sams that have gone a little too a little too uh, chrome, a little too crazy with the chrome. Yeah, no, you actually lose your mind. It's not an instantaneous thing, but it's like, well, a, it's like a downward spiral. The yeah. it, Cyberpunk 2020 coined the concept of cyberpsychosis, though. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's not an official term for it. It's just, it's just a thing that happens. Yeah, in Cyberpunk, it's an actual thing. It's it's you go cyberpsycho, and there, there are some there are some similar concepts in Shadowrun, like uh, they have uh, BTLs, which stands for Better Than Life, and that's kind of like. Um, basically, you know, like the Pop Matrix. The yeah. yeah, it's like it's like a custom Matrix program where it's like, oh, okay, I get to be whoever I want to be or do whatever I want to do, and it fe- you tricks your brain into thinking it's actually happening, but of course, in reality, you're out, you're burning out your brain in the process. Yeah. So it's like drugs, only it's not. It's just like you know, happy brain feelings instead of like a chemical drug per se. Right. It's and like, in some ways, it's far worse. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like being able to program a dream. Yeah. Where you actually physically, yeah. Um, which we see close uh, approximation to that one we would call Cold Sim in Shadowrun uh, in things like um, um, Second Life. 
and certain you know certain games. But then again, we are getting close to AR, ultra, uh, augmented reality, mm-hmm. with a lot of games and things like that. Uh, Pokemon Go, um, Ingress, uh, now with the new Harry Potter yeah. one. Um, yeah, I don't. It's not, I don't think it's quite that bad though. Well, we're starting to see some of the. We're, we're starting to see some of the same stuff in that we are interacting in the real world and the game is interacting with us based yeah. on your location. Yeah, uh, it's just kind of a blending of the two. Right. Now, yeah, we're not being able to, oh, here's the, you know, here's the local server. Although, that's probably not far from happening. Well, also, it's worth pointing out that when you have games like Ingress and Pokemon Go that are based, like, based around physically going to places and doing things, mm-hmm. that is a giant neon sign of, oh, hey, we can we can program our game to manipulate people into doing things we want them to do to make money or get more information about them, like, yeah. hey, visit this thing, this place that we have an advertising agreement with, and oh, you're there, so you'll like to buy a thing. That actually reminds me of a, of a somewhat funny right. thing. Right. Uh, to to sidetrack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Pokemon Go, do you know the Vatican has their own there has their own version? <laughs> what? Of Pokemon Go? Wow. Um, was it Pokegod Go? Uh, no, you, you <laughs> go around you go around and you uh, and you find and you and you find and uh, and converse with the saints. Oh, that's fun. So is it just it's just within the Vatican? Proper? Yes, it's just within the it's just within the Vatican. Here's here's my issue. Here's my issue with that. Uh, if I mean, if you're someone who lives in the surrounding area, you go there all the time. Great, go nuts. That sounds fun. Mm-hmm. But if you're a tourist, how about you put down your fucking phone and just enjoy the splendor of the I Vatican? Know, right? Right. Well, what happens? You're having a little button you push, and someone talks to you. Um, it, it's just it, yeah. it's this really funny little piece of random trivia. That, like that, that is hilarious. <laughs> I didn't okay. know that was a thing. So, however, or at least it was like a year ago when I heard about it. Similar to that. Um, <laughs> In movies, Tom Cruise's Minority Report showed a very, very cyberpunk-esque Which, world. again, was based on a book. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Um, and the idea Wasn't that it based off of one of the ones by one of the authors we've written we talked about? Basically, more likely. Wasn't it, wasn't it? <laughs> basically, there's like a little... If there's a movie, it's more than likely Phil K. Dick. Well, it was, it was and... Philip Dick, Isaac Asimov... Um, Neil Stevenson or <laughs> really just uh, like JG Ballard spinning yeah. a wheel and you got about ten names on it and it's yeah. gonna be one of those people. Yeah, it's like wheel of sci-fi authors. Yeah. Um there we go. Report. <laughs> Based on a story by Faith Philip K. And Philip Dick. K. Dick. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pre-crime unit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we haven't even mentioned my favorite book entry into the uh into the uh into the oeuvre, the, the, the overall, which is uh, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. And not just because he and I share the first the same first name, although he spells it wrong. Um, <laughs> I, 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 really, I really like the Deliverator, our, our protagonist. He works for a piece of pizza joint. That's why he's the Deliverator. The Deliverator? He's the Deliverator. Yeah. He works for Cosa Nostra Pizza. Oh, God. It's been a long time since I've read it, so I'm only remembering bits and bits and pieces. But uh, I'm reminded of one of my favorite quotes that I will always try to mention, which is, which was for a long time the uh, the uh, 
the page quote on TV tropes on, on the TV tropes page for badass, which is until a man is 25, he thinks every so often that under the right circumstance, he could be the baddest motherfucker in the world. If I moved to a martial arts monastery in China and studied real hard for 10 years, my wife was wiped out by, a Colombi by Colombian drug dealers and I swore myself to revenge. If I got a fatal disease and had one year to, lo to live and devoted to wiping out street crime, if I just dropped out and devoted my life to being bad <laughs> and didn't have the last bit of my quote and I'm sad because I can't remember it off the top of my head. <sighs> Fight it. Yeah, it's another one of those uh, books that I keep hearing reference but never actually got around yeah. reading. Where is it? Find me the last bit. <sighs> Fucking hell. And I can't find the last bit of the quote. Yeah, I'm mad. So, uh... Oh, no, here it is. Okay. Builder be bad. Hero used, Hero used to feel this way, too. But then he ran into Raven. In a way, this was liberating. He no longer had to worry about the being the baddest motherfucker in the world. The position is taken. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh... You know what, what year that book? 1992. 92. Okay. Mm. To the point where it actually kind of made fun of some of the tropes that were established in Neuromancer because they were already becoming old hat. Oh, yeah. um, also, Neil Stevenson wrote another kind of important book called uh, Cryptomancer. So. <laughs> well, also, uh, the guy who wrote Cyberpunk mm -hmm. wrote one called Head Crash, which was a parody of Snow Crash mm -hmm. um, that basically was talking about. Um, it was, you know, basically. All these, um, all you know, all these guys who uh, you know live in their mother's basement, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, thinking that they're some badass, uh, some badass, uh, you know, cyber god, and really, their most of what they do is download porn. Yep. And visit, you know, and visit, um, visit forums where they talk about what badass is there, but <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we are. Now, the interesting thing about the Minority Report was that the movie did differ greatly um, because... Um, also, the Deliberator's actual name... Sorry. Mm -hmm. I interrupted you. I apologize. Mm -hmm. um, because this is as cliche as you can get, his actual name is Hero Protagonist. Hero Protagonist, yeah. Spelled, of course, H-I-R-O. Right. <laughs> sorry, uh, I interrupted you, Ben. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, think about the thing that it, it, with uh, Philip K. Dick's um, a lot of his work was it questioned a lot of things that were going on in the day. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, you know, a minority report questioned free will because it was a bunch of psychics basically telling us what we're, you know, what, what we're about to do. Um, and at the end of the day, it, the thing about it was that, you know, in the movie, everywhere you went, things would read your retinas and then tailor their uh, tailor the advertising mm -hmm. you saw to you. Yep. Which again, it comes to, hey, let's get people to go to these certain places, you know, and bring their phones, register with their information, yeah. 
so we can tailor everything to them. Or, you know, how I will occasionally think about buying something and Amazon and, and Amazon and Facebook will start advertising it to me despite the fact that I hadn't even said that I wanted to buy the thing I was just kind of thinking about it yeah. the question is was I just kind of thinking about it because they were getting ready to set their advertisements or they set their advertisements because they're reading my mind well, and usually. it's not entirely possible that one is exclusionary yeah. to the other. There was a guy who got, there was there was a guy who got outed by Facebook to himself. He didn't realize he was gay. He <laughs> was living in denial until he until he started getting all these ads for for you know like gay cruises and other things <laughs> on Facebook, and he's like. Ugh. Faceception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the thing about the thing about you know this is that it is portraying a dystopian future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and the themes generally are you know you don't end up getting ahead even when you you know when you kick the bad guys in, in the shins. Um, so it's very, like I say, it's very realistic. Uh, has that noir, nihil, you know, nihilistic uh, approach to it. Mm-hmm. And even Cyberpunk twenty twenty. You know, um, the only way you can make a difference, you know, in any of these is to become. I mean, think about it. who is the most iconic character in the cyberpunk universe? Johnny Silverhand, probably. Yes. <laughs> who is a rock star and therefore on a par with the very uh, corporations and such that they are fighting. <clears throat> yep. Ugh. Um. And I like how, like in Shadowrun, mm-hmm. you uh, you're, you're you know you're you're doing things against the megacorps, mm-hmm. but Mr. Johnson works for the megacorp. You are de- right. actively just participating in corporate espionage. Right. You're not. You you're are not a sticking c- it to the man. You're just another partner. You're just another gear in the machine. Yes. Just because your just because your gear is designed to grind against another. Right, you're right. I mean, well, I mean, it's just like it's all part of their the megacorp plan. It's just the extra legal or illegal or whatever you want to call it yep. aspect of their business plan. So it's, it's just semantics at that point. I mean, you know, they they may shadowrunners may pride themselves on like living off the grid or whatever, and that's all well and good. But if, if most of them are fooling themselves if they think that they're honestly like somehow shaking up the system and. Like, yeah, unless, unless they're unless doing they're, their own thing and right. not taking and not taking gigs, right? Well, but to or do that, they, I mean, it's it's nearly impossible to survive. Or that's if, just how it's structured. Yeah. Or if here's the other thing, though, uh, like in um, Shadowrun, uh, uh, Dragonfall. Mm-hmm. Um, after a certain point, like in Shadowrun, uh, in the Shadowrun games, you are actually following up on your own thing and you're doing runs. But you always have the, you know, the, the the runners always have the option of, you know, shafting the, you know, shafting Mr. Johnson, um, or while they're there, picking up data. It should be pointed out that sometimes that that I think technically in, isn't Shadowrun the game set in Germany, so shouldn't it be Herr Schmidt? <laughs> it could be. Dragonfall is in yeah, Berlin. Yeah, in Berlin, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, well, here's the thing. Some of the, depending on where... Right? <laughs> some, of the, some of the people that you can sell data to are very much not megacorps. Yeah. I would imagine if you're running in, like, uh, 
in India would be like Mr. Patel. Yeah, Mr. Patel. <laughs> yeah, you know. Just um, the most common name in like every culture, basically. Right. Mr. Yeah. Muhammad in the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> in. Johnson's it's it's whatever name is Slank. innocuous. Yeah. Right? yeah. Mr. Johnson, Herr Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Gonzalez or yeah. you know, Mr. Chen. Yeah. Yeah. The most pop, the most common name in the world. Um and but yeah, you get um but in Shadowrun sometimes you can make money you know, or do things, still complete your run, and still screw your, you know, still screw uh, the, the corp by getting other information while you're there. The thing about it is, though, uh, generally speaking, if, if, a, if a corp, you know, tasks a Mr. Johnson with putting a team together to do a thing, to do a run, they've already run a big cost-benefit analysis about, okay, well... Based on the potential runners, what are the chances they're going to do A, B, and C? And what is A, B, and C? Okay, A, B, and C is going to cost X, Y, and Z. Therefore, it's worth doing the runner. Therefore, it's not worth doing it this way. Let's go back to the drawing board. It's kind of like in Fight Club when he has that conversation in the airplane about how you know they calculate the average out-of-court settlement cost versus the cost of and the cost of doing a recall, and they do the little analysis. And if it costs less, then they don't do the safety recall. Right. <laughs> so you know. But the, the thing about it is though at the end of the day the shadow runners are still you know um now granted most times yeah they, they don't end up there is that nihilistic uh approach to it but you know um like any of the big stories like in a, in a game there is still the possibility that you could make a difference well yeah and the thing about runners is just like uh any other subset of the of the of the population or that city's mm -hmm. residents or whatever they vary greatly i mean you can have you can have just the the pure mercenary completely amoral just in it for the money and you can have ones that may have particular um like sympathies or um like axes to grind with or against specific megacorps or different groups or gangs or whatever i mean everyone right. has their own like story and background. Yeah, I mean a Shadowrun character once who just wanted his retirement pension. <laughs> right. right. He got shit canned after giving after giving thirty years of his life to a to a corp and they didn't and you know like and you know they took his pension and his retirement. He's like well fuck you guys <laughs> I'm going to get it one way or another. I love that as a cautionary tale against the Megacorp. Where they have to like look at their balance sheet and they're like, my god, this is costing us so much money. It would have been cheaper if we just not shafted the guy. <laughs> well, see, Maybe we should thing. not shaft people so much. It might actually work out for us better. Well, see, that's the thing. is like you're talking about they make this cost-benefit analysis. Right. And they're betting on what they know. But um, um, the professional, Leon the professional, mm -hmm. is a good example of that cost-benefit analysis not working. Well, I mean, Gary Oldman brought everyone! Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that you have this, you know, you have this, you know, this mercenary. Pure mercenary, you know, always does the job, blah, 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 gets there, sees one thing, and flips that switch. And suddenly he's going, I must screw them! Well, also, in, in Shadowrun, there's, there's the matter of, uh, you know, whether or not... Um, 
Mr. Johnson and or Fixer winds up screwing over the team, and you might have someone who's just a professional merc, and then they get betrayed, and then it becomes personal. Yeah, then it becomes personal, right? What was... <sighs> I'm trying to think of it. There, there's something where, like... There's some movie I've watched where... It was, uh, no, I remember, you know, I didn't watch the movie. I, re- I read the synopsis. Um, the Jason Statham movie, Parker. Uh-huh. Um, the whole thing about Parker was, I did this job for you. You guys fucked me over. Right. So I'm going to kill you all. <laughs> yeah. You should have yeah. just damn paid me. Right. Exactly. Well, another, another thing that comes to mind, you, you talked about your Shadowrun character, is uh, that Mel Gibson movie, Payback. Mm-hmm. He's a thief, did a job, he had a certain amount of money, he was supposed to be paid, he, he got it was stolen from him, and all he does throughout the whole movie is just, he wants that one, he just wants that specific amount of money back. He doesn't want to take everything over, he doesn't want a bunch more money for his trouble, he just wants the money he's owed. Yeah. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah. And loss. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and it comes down to it, you know, it's like, you tried to kill me. You failed. You should have tried harder because now when it, you know. And, More and of that story confirmed the kill. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's one of those things of that at the end of the day, what makes the difference is when you try to fuck somebody over, they're not going to take it lying down and they're going to damage you. I mean, when you, when you look at uh, Neuromancer, you know. He gets screwed hard by one of the families that he's trying to, you know, work with, and goes back in and rescues Molly, I think, or Molly rescues him. I haven't read Neuromancer, so and it's been. A, it's I'll been have to take here. your word for it. But yeah, they, we, we talk about how it's the seminal piece, and I haven't read it. <laughs> I have. Um, Molly actually was introduced in um, the concept of the Razor Girl was introduced in Johnny Demonic. And, I mentioned that earlier in the episode. And um, what's funny is that Molly in um, Neuromancer evidently references Johnny Mnemonic being killed by a bat job uh, ninja. Um, so yeah, it's just like it's it's like the whole um, the whole Cthulhu mythos where you know things leak from one story to another. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, cyberpunk. Yeah, it does get into can you make a difference and do the risk? You know, the the does the corporate uh, corporate model work? And also, how do you make a difference? Yeah, exactly. How do you make a difference? You know, do you play the game? Do you play the game and then break the rules? You know, right. Um, you try to you try to change it from within. Do you try to burn it all down? Like, and this is why I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077. What's that? Just. There is so there is so much potential mm-hmm. for that story. Mm-hmm. Do you become you know? I, I don't know what the what the plot line is going to be, but I guarantee because it's CD Projekt Red, you can play it however you want. Yeah, especially but, since you know but the author of Cyberpunk is on board and like right, right. guys, this is I love this damn thing. But also because it's CD Projekt Red. You can play it any way you want, but there's no real good ending. <laughs> I don't know. Witcher has okay endings. Okay, but no really, yeah, you know, good guys win uh, all the way around. I mean, there's no real, there's no happy ending. And I think that's one of the big things about the nihilistic approach to cyberpunk is that, yeah, there is no happy, there are no happy endings. Um, I mean, at the end of, but also 
there is that ray of hope. Because, mm-hmm. like, in, um, you know, at the end of uh, Blade Runner, Roy Batty becomes the most human of them all. I, I would also, I, I would make the distinction, just because there's not, uh, just because there's not a traditional happy ending doesn't necessarily mean that it's nihilistic it's, in the sense. Yeah, it, it's, because yeah. if you have the theme, like you said, if there's potential hope or if there's the whole, like, virtue in the struggle thing, then that's yeah. not nihilism at all. Nihilism right. is, well, nihilism is I have no mouth and I must scream. Right. Nihilism is more in this, is, is an element of it, but it's not truly it's, nihilistic. It's not nihilistic. That's more of a thing that's informing the setting. Exactly. Like, the world can feel nihilistic. Exactly. Because yeah. everyone's just, like, out for themselves, like the megacorps and the right. pandies and everything. Right. I would agree with you that it's part of the, set, part of the setting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not part of, necessarily part of the story. Right. Be, you know, there is, there is an element to the world around them that's nihilistic. Now, there can definitely be characters within the story that act that way. Yeah. But, yeah, it's different. But, you know, at the end of it, it does, it, you know, I think a lot of cyberpunk relies on the humanity of the protagonist. Not be, you right. know, not falling into the, into the world, you know, being in the world but not of it. Right, and I think that's that's uh, that's that's a common thread as well as the, the power and importance of the individual mm-hmm. and, uh, and liberty. Because... Yeah. The fact that people are able to have that hope and have things change is because of the individual, like, liberty and conscience that is allowed to, even in people that aren't even human, Mm -hmm. which, again, is the whole reflection about what it means to be human. Like, perfect example, you mentioned where Roy Batty has Deckard dead to rights, and he realizes, because of the nature of being a replicant and he's got basically in the long term five minutes to quote unquote live anyway he's just like what's the point of all this and right. he just wants to do something decent and have some dignity so he, right. he saves his life right. he's the guy that he was sent to kill him yeah and and, and the greatest soliloquy or monologue in you know in sci-fi you know well, well, I'm sure a lot of people the on the internet would argue but it's, yeah. it's up there. Well, perhaps, yeah. It's still, <laughs> and, you know, it's like the Tannhauser Gate run, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen sea beams glittering off, uh, you know, the t- off the Tannhauser Gate. Um, yeah, I just. I could just look it up, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's because yeah. Well, I mean, well, the important, the, the the most important line, in my opinion, is the whole like you know tears in the rain thing. Yeah, all lost like tears in the rain. Yep. Time to die. Yeah, it just—I mean, it—it it basically, you know, Zach. Suddenly, the the replicant becomes the most human of them all, um, you know. And at the end of the day, Deckard is, you know, leaving with another replicant that he fell in love with, <laughs> you, you know. Um, so yeah, it's just so unusual to find that humanity isn't based on your biology. Yeah. Um, it, it just, I love that particular idea. Um, that, you know, it, but in the end, yeah, it does come down to it is humanity that, that drives the stories. Well, another thing about that, too, is it's, um, I think, in a lot of the stories, it, um, <clears throat> it has a theme of no matter what has come before, the circumstance that you find yourself in, the decision in that moment still matters because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people in the setting you know in, in the worlds they like to just kind of 
throw up their hands and be like, well, this is how life is, therefore I'm entitled to not make hard choices or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just kind of, you know, kick the can down the road because everything is so, you know, terrible or things are so desperate or whatever. Right, everything uh, sucks so I don't have to be a decent human being. Right, exactly. And it's like, mm -hmm. they, uh, often, you know, it's kind of like that's, they kind of feel like that's their consolation prize or that's their solace is like, you know, you have uh, you have someone in say the Shadowrun, um, you know, setting where it's like <laughs> they know that all this they they know there's a lot of shit that's going down that's just not okay. Yeah. But they convince themselves into thinking they can't make a difference, so they don't have to make a difference. Right. And so Whereas the runners at least are trying to make a difference. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, they're, they're often, trying to. Yeah. At least yeah. usually. Well, yeah, they're, they're trying to make a difference. They, it starts off because they are trying to take on the world on their own terms. Or, the, yeah, at the very least, make a difference by sh sh uh, showing themselves as an example that you can actually do your own thing and not be just part of this, you know, yeah. cog in this machine. You're not a wage slave. Because in the Shadowrunverse and in the Cyberpunkverse, the normal person who just slogs along is the bad example. Just a sheep. It's yeah. like an indentured servant kind of deal. Yeah, the Sorari men, the wage I slaves. think you also see a lot of the um, of it being a product of its time in the mm -hmm. 80s with, yeah. when looking at like Japanese culture and stuff because, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's both positive and negative aspects to that where it's like you have like, you know, people like extreme corporate loyalty and dedication and stuff where in some cases it's great because you're talking about people that work really hard and being loyal and then in other cases it's like it's not good because they're not balancing their life and they're, right. they're neglecting more important things like their family or whatever, you know? Right. They uh, have a high suicide rate in the world, you know? Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, that's an interesting concept, you know? It's kind of like the virtue or vice of taking anything too far, you know? Right. Moderation. So, yeah, it's one of those things that you, at the end of the day, though, the funny thing is that, you know, on the one hand, they're trying to go, we must get away from the hero's journey, and they end up following it anyways. Right. Well, to, to an extent, it's <laughs> inescapable. Yeah, it really Yeah, is. I mean, uh, wow, I can't think of his name suddenly. Joseph Campbell? Yeah, Campbell was just kind of right. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, when you look at everything there, I mean, you get the... Um, the Matrix follows it. Mm -hmm. um, Star Wars, of course, you know, slavishly follows it. It's it's really just all it's, the it's really just seeing the thing that's there. It's like re, it's like looking at a cloud. Well, that's the more subjective, but you get the idea. Yeah. It's like interpreting something that's there, not creating something whole cloth. So exactly. To an extent, everything's going to follow the model because that's just how humans are wired and how we tell stories. Yeah, we, that's that's the pattern we find. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but at the end of the day, there's still always that innate humanity that drives the character. So, yeah, but it's still, it's very realistic, and I think that is one of the things that they look for. Also, though, we also see that the, that, um, for instance, Neuromancer, written in 1981, the internet was not a thing. And yet he predicted it quite effectively. Mm-hmm. It's like the internet, it's like suddenly we're going, oh, this is what's, this is what we're supposed to make. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and. and well, I mean, it, it it does follow because because one thing we didn't mention very much is that cyberpunk was also kind of a driving culture in the real in the really real world. It wasn't just a genre of fiction. Mm -hmm. There were legit cyberpunks mm -hmm. who yeah. were the early days 
hackers and crackers and, and hacktivists, oh, yeah. etc. Yeah. That, you know... Well, a lot of fiction gets its inspiration from actual examples of actual hackers and rebels and stuff. I mean, right. you know, there's subcultures and subcultures within subcultures that actually existed. Yeah. Right. Just well, a lot of the stuff you don't hear about because, it's, you know... Uh-huh. Yeah, War Games. Matthew, uh, Matthew Broderick, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was, you know, then there was the movie Hackers. Oh, um, man, that's a good, you know, a good laugh if you ever go and watch that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and such, because it was, it was basically technology... But um, you know, basically working on technology of the day. Uh, even sneakers was you know was a big one. I like sneakers, but it that's because big. it's got one of my favorite actors in it. Which one? David Strathairn. He plays uh, Whistler, the blind guy. Does he play the blind guy? Yeah. It, the, we're talking Strathairn, the same guy who played Lucifer in uh, um, in uh, Constantine. Mm, I don't think he. No, he didn't. No, Strathairn, not Strathorn. No, not 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 the guy that you picked out in Castlevania. Um, oh right. No, <laughs> no David Strathairn. Um, you if if you know him from anything, uh, it's probably the fact that he played Edward R. Murrow in Good Night and Good Luck, hmm. which is one of my which is one of if not my absolutely my favorite movie. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And he played, uh, I believe it was. Oh God, yes. Okay, uh, he was also wasn't he in uh, in uh, Alphas? Yeah. He was the doctor in Alphas. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, he played Whistler in Sneakers. So I'm have, glad I got the name right. I'd feel like a bad fan if I had. I don't have any actual like direct <laughs> experience with the cyberpunk uh, cyberpunk uh, tabletop games or video game. Um, you, you, have you not played the Shadowrun game at least? Well, I played Shadowrun, sure, but cyberpunk specifically. I mean, like cyberpunk 2020 or 20 whatever. You know, whatever the iteration. 2017, 2020, and 2077 are the, th- the big three. Okay, so that's funny because now we're past the first one and we're creeping up on the second one in terms of later. Which, by the way, um, we should really have an episode next year about just all the weird shit that was predicted for 2020 in movies and books and stuff and kind of compare reality with the Well, I mean, we passed, yeah. uh, we passed good, uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, that uh, was funny, the Back to the Future earlier 2 this, thing. Earlier yeah. this year. Um, <laughs> and I think... I believe we're coming up on Blade Runner or later th- later sometime this year too. Actually, I think we just I think we just surpassed it. Didn't we? Yeah, uh, it was like yeah. Blade Runner just happened. I think Blade Runner is twenty eighteen. Um, <laughs> I'd have to watch it again. Uh, Back yeah. to the Future. We passed. yeah, no, we we yeah, mentioned we did that, that one already. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things. That's why Mega Man always made it to just the year nineteen XX. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could be whatever year you wanted, as long as there had been nineteen centuries before it. Right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, and they did they did that with, uh, with Mega Man X, right? Mm-hmm. They had a generic feature year. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so have you? Uh, have either of you played the Cyberpunk tabletop game then? I'm not. No. I've read the rule book for I read I read one of the not rule not one I did not read the core rule book I read one of the uh, one of one of the splat books for 2020 once yeah uh, similarly like I made a Shadowrun character but I haven't actually ever played Shadowrun except in, in in the computer because that game hasn't gotten off the ground yet and yeah. it may never <laughs> I, I heard that um, they're they're doing a whole like 
uh, coordinated release thing where it's like they're going to have the Cyberpunk 2077 video game, which is a huge blockbuster release, obviously, but then the new version of the game is also in the exact same year and setting. Well, that would make a whole hell of a lot of sense from a, it's hard to sell paperback, or it's hard to right. sell RPG. Yeah, but by all means, unless Godspeed, ride that wave. Unless <laughs> the company you're working for is Wizards of the Coast or Paizo. Right, right. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah. Chaosium's having a hard time. And you know what they make? Call of Cthulhu. Which is the other big one that most people recognize. It's, that's a lot more niche, though. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so please do. I'd love to, I'd love to play Cyberpunk. Because I read a Splat book, which I don't even know, like, I don't even have a good concept of how the rules work. Yeah. But the Splat book was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I am thinking of Stormare, Peter Stormare. One of yeah, you're favorite. talking about Peter Stormare. I'm talking about David Strathairn. Strathairn, yeah. Also, one of my, one of my, yeah, because our remind me to make, one of my hurt lives is remind me to make you an honorary blind person. <laughs> when he was going by what he heard, yeah, you know, uh, on the way to uh, when they were trying to find where he was actually taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, remind me to make you an honorary blind person. <laughs> um, I mean, he's just really—he's he's a good actor. He really is. He—he's yeah. he's, got—he's got that kind of. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean, get to getting back to cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is. Yeah, high tech, low life. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. that, that's. So we got about twenty-ish minutes left uh, at present. Fifteen-ish mm-hmm. uh, minutes left, actually. I guess I lost a little bit of track of time, but um, I don't know. What do we want to talk about? Like, talk about favorite bits of cyberpunk? Because I could, I could probably talk about Battle Angel Elevator for fifteen minutes if you really wanted. To. I was going to ask. I, I didn't. I confess to not doing my research here. Has there been a cyberpunk video game before? Cyberpunk like, 2020? Like, I mean, specifically the game Cyberpunk? I do not believe so. Yeah. Other than Cyberpunk 2020? I don't... Th- I, I, I thought that was a tabletop game, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tabletop game. I don't, uh... I don't remember there being one. Um... Which would make sense, because that was another reason why there's so much hype behind yeah. <laughs> Sorry, when I searched Cyberpunk real quick, Onion Gamers has a, has a headline saying, CD Projekt Red announces Cyberpunk 2077 will have a gender-neutral character creator, however, however everyone will be a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the... Uh... Oh yeah, this I was, I was searching and they remind me of another... Uh... Another game that could that's that's very cyberpunk esque, uh, Syndicate, the Syndicate games. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those are uh, it's a different genre of game. It's like a top down squad strategy, kind of like an, an XCOM type deal, only not turn based. Um, and that was like you had you were um, you were a uh, you were like a mega you're like a mega corp person, some kind of executive or whatever, and you would send these teams of operatives in the field, and they would just do crazy shit. They would like kidnap scientists and like blow stuff up and kill people assassinate high value targets and mm-hmm. stuff so it was, it was kind of like uh, it had some sh- it had some Shadowrun aspects to it uh, but it was more of like a squad management thing than like an RPG style thing like in the, the hairbrain scheme Shadowrun games 
Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a really fun game back in it back in the day. It was like uh, it was like early '90s when the first one came out, and they had a they had a few games, but um, it was just I don't know. It, it was one of those things where it's like it kind of sold it sold all right, but it was never really this like huge thing that like took off and everybody knew about. You know, like there are games that would that people would know about even if they didn't really play games much, or at least PC games specifically. Like so, you could name drop Warcraft even before WoW, and people would know what you're talking about. Syndicate was just kind of a in the know kind of thing. A quick double check of the Cyberpunk wiki because of course there's a Cyberpunk wiki. There's a, there's a wiki for everything. Yep. Um, no, there have been there was. Cyberpunk 2013, Cyberpunk 2020, and then Cyberpunk 2077 is the new thing coming out. There was also a... Uh, everything else has been uh, tabletop. There was also Cyberpunk version 3.0, um, which, you know, was a thing. But um, pretty much, like, it's it hasn't been exactly a thing, per se. So is that just like a new version of the tabletop game, but still in the same setting, more or less? Yes. It was still 2020 back then? Cyberpunk 3.0 apparently is on a divergent timeline from other Cyberpunk series games. Ah. There was Cyberpunk, a role-playing game in the dark future known as Cyberpunk 2013, published in 1988. <clears throat> Cyberpunk 2020. Cyberpunk Red, which is coming out soon. Um, and that's going to be the one that's based off of 2077, if I understand correctly. And there was Cyberpunk 3.0, which was a different timeline. And then there was other books that people wrote that are that are considered non-canon source books. Right. Well, then there's um, another one in this uh, in this one we haven't mentioned. Uh, I remember reading it back in the I don't know late 80s, 90s, whenever it came out. Um, Hardwired by Walter John Williams. Which is kind of a militaristic version. Um, Don't know that one. Um, if it weren't for the fact that it's really apocalypse punk, um, Fallout is is very post-apocalyptic cyberpunk. It really is because it's got a lot of the noir. Although these days, although at these days people will just call that apocalypse punk and have done with it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Post nuke punk. Yeah. Nuke or yeah. Well, really, it's diesel punk. If you want to get really technical about right. it, yeah, it really is. Also, but. another thing about it at this point, it's so, it's so like it has so much self-referential stuff and humor going on that it kind of takes away from the whole bleak aspect of it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it becomes its own thing. It really is its own genre. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's one could say it even it mutated that way. Yeah, it just yeah. I see what you did there. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, Neil. I, I said it. That happened. Yes, Deal did. with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think we've covered a lot of what what makes cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we randomly talked about shit for about an hour, which, you know, we're good at that. Right. Um, well, you know, I think this, you know, I mean, it's it's things that may not seem relevant but are. I mean, the, the whole, the, yeah. the genre is a minefield of philosophical navel-gazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really Which is, is both great and sometimes tired and cliche yeah I just thought I just realized um, the first uh, until you get out of uh, Midgard uh, Midgar Final Fantasy 7 is pretty cyberpunk too yeah yeah it really is Um, you're like oh the world's been decimated by this technology and except no it's really just this one city yeah it's kind of a fake and then you get out (laughs) into the into the big into the overworld like 
When I first played Final Fantasy VII, to, to, to digress a little bit, I thought there was going to be four discs in the one city, and I was fucking pumped for that. <laughs> I was so disappointed when I left the city. I was like, why? I know, Midgar was so much fun to play in, you know. And the idea of getting out, yeah, that was one thing, but... Uh. I don't know. I guess I didn't really have the same reaction. I just kind of enjoyed the ride. I didn't really feel yeah. strongly one way or the other. Well, once you get out, you know, you get into other things. You start learning about the rest of the world. And it, again, it's Final Fantasy, so that yeah. was fun. Yeah. But, yeah, I loved Midgar. Um, yeah, I, I loved that as a setting on its own. But, yeah, after a point, once you're out, you don't want to go back in. You know? Cause That's because you left the cyberpunk bad dystopian world and entered the wow it's green out here. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know. Well, perfect. That's a great example of cyberpunkness in that game is Vincent Valentine. I mean, good lord. <laughs> he's got like a he's got like a mechanical arm. He's been all experimented on. He's all fucked up because of the yeah, giant mega corp that he's with affiliated with. Yeah, he's is a he, vampire is werewolf. With is he is he actually vampiric? I thought he just turned into monster shapes. I don't think he was actually like a vampire. The idea was he was, I mean, he arrived, when you meet him, he comes out of a coffin. Well, I mean, there's obvious, like, vampiric tropes. Right. I, I don't know. He's a cyber vamp. He's also, I, I mean, know, he's also a is. werewolf, too, essentially. So, like, he's a shapeshifter, and yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And, you know, Barrett has a, gun for an arm. Yeah, there's that too. There's that. Or at least yeah. for a hand. I think it's just yeah. his hand, really. Well, it's like from the elbow up. It's like the entire Oh, yeah, form. you're right. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's basically a gun arm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. It's one of those things... Final Fantasy is a weird thing, right? Because there's so many different iterations, and it, I don't really think... I never really thought of that as cyberpunk, but now when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, well, there's very obviously a lot of cyberpunk things there, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you when you look at seven, yeah, because you have the megacorp, you know, um, yeah. and you have the you know, of course, um, oddly enough, Alien, the Alien franchise is it's pretty it's cyberpunk in space, yeah, and yeah, like basically RoboCop. <laughs> How did we not mention RoboCop? Oh yeah, oh my god, what an oversight! <laughs> RoboCop is super cyberpunk. Yeah, and without yeah. the American, without the without the uh, the Japanization. Well, also I think the thing about it is we don't think of it as very we don't think of it as futuristic, even though it was supposed to be at the time. Yeah, we just in our brains it's like oh that's a retro throwback thing, but really it was it was a dystopian future in Detroit. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and and the funny thing was is that. Robocop introduced the uh, the the use of um, oh what was the vehicle that they were using that suddenly every cop car in the in America was that was that uh, you mean just the model of the car yeah Crown Victoria yeah really yes <laughs> in Robocop they were using Crown Victorias and suddenly every car every police car in America was a Crown Vic they were they did they were they were they knowledgeable about the trend that was about to happen or did they actually set the trend um i think that they i think that they accurately predicted what yeah. the next cop car would be just like with the dodge charger coming out that would make sense um for for instance uh when i was in high school the pursuit mustang came out and suddenly every guy wanted to have one yeah well suddenly uh the 
the Texas version of, of state troopers, Department of Public Safety, the DPS troopers, were all driving pursuit Mustangs. DPS troopers better not aggro them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're the tank. <laughs> but, I mean, they were, yeah, uh, they were the, you know, suddenly that was the thing. And I think the Crown Vic, being the type of car it was, you know, what, and what they were looking for was something that was super sleek and, you know, obviously looked futuristic. You take a Crown Vic, you mod it upright, and it's a good, you know, of course, and Detroit, of course they had to have some of the auto, auto companies in there. Um, yeah, thematically, RoboCop hits so many of the things we talked about. Yeah, today. it really does. I mean, yeah. the whole, like, what is man, what is machine, AI, robotics, the use of technology, gangs, crime, yeah. megacorps. Corp- yeah, corporation, corporate greed, you know. Um, you yeah. know. I, a, lot, a lot of 80s action movies are a lot deeper than you give them credit for. Yeah, when well, RoboCop's have, a great example. RoboCop is what, it, what is the measure of a man, um... There's uh, aliens. I mean, alien and aliens. Yeah. I mean, that was the yeah. You know, that's yeah. Um, and then, for that matter, Firefly. For all that it's westerns in space, there are a lot of elements of it because you have the core planets that are ruled by the corps. You know, um, well, not ruled by the alliance. The alliance, but I mean, well, that and of course, in uh, in the first episode. When Mal uh, pulls up that uh, that that anti-aircraft gun, it's the Weyland Yutani logo <laughs> <laughs> at the top. Weyland Yutani, man, uh, but Blue Sun all over the place, and Blue Sun was behind the uh, the uh, the research that created the Reapers. And you have the whole like, uh, you mean Reavers? Reavers, sorry, Reapers, Reaver. yeah, Reavers. Uh, and then the east and, and the, uh, the little east and west fusion thing, of course. You exactly. Know, the culture and the swear words. And yeah. All that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. The whole Mandarin and swearing. Yeah. Well, the sign of, yeah. Was it, uh, uh... It really fucked up the Chinese in it, by the way. Like, oh, yeah. nobody pronounced anything right. Yeah. <laughs> even if they, even though they did have a Chinese coach, but, you know, it was their accent. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it was just like, um... Yeah, a lot of sci-fi is affected by that. Yep. Um, that's kind of a fun game to play is, uh, you know, watch watch a movie or read a book or whatever, and then that's mm. not actually cyberpunk, but see how much influence is involved in it. Yep, because exactly. you'll see a lot of that stuff just kind of, like, trickle throughout the various mm-hmm. media, you know? Because I, if, if, it, if, it's, if it's futuristic, given if it's futuristic it was made by americans at the very least yeah it's going to have heavy influences in one, from one of two things cyberpunk novel novelization or star trek and star trek is transhumanist whereas cyberpunk is cyberpunk yeah. right right yeah. um <laughs> or star wars and it's going to make yeah but like if, if it, at least if you're skewing towards harder sci-fi, it's going to be either Trek. It's going to be yeah. either cyberpunk, either cyberpunk, or Star Trek yeah. as one of your primary influences, and you can't right. really use both because they are thematically opposed to each exactly. other. Exactly. See, right. that's funny because that, that that can serve as a scale for. So it's like, oh yeah, I saw that new uh, I saw that new movie. Is 
very cyberpunk. Oh, okay, on a scale of uh, on a scale of Star Trek to cyberpunk, how dis- uh, how depressing was it? <laughs> on a, on a, on right. a scale of cyberpunk of of, uh, of of Star Trek to to Blade Runner. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess Blade Runner would be the ultimate yeah. depressing, right? So, yeah. so okay, so um, Altered Carbon is pretty cyberpunk too. Altered uh, Carbon is a very cyberpunk. I mean, and by a pretty cyberpunk, I mean it was, you know, it's it's uber cyberpunk. Yeah, that was one of the ones I was going to bring up. Because uh, they, you know, and again, Altered Carbon um, made the Chiapa Rhino uh, famous. The gun, the handgun that he uses, uh, which is, you know, instead of uh, the hammer up top, it, it fires off the bottom cylinder. Um, but uh, another one uh, that I think has a lot of cyberpunk um, influence, Straczynski's Babylon 5. I'm not sure. I I I I don't, I'm not sure. I buy that. Well, it's semi dystopian, you know, because Earth Alliance. But I mean, actually, it's it leans more towards Trek, but it has some cyberpunk influences. It's it, I you, I could buy maybe calling it post cyberpunk. Okay, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that because it it's, it's not because it is not the dark times in 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 uh, and, and that's really what I look to for. Is it cyberpunk? Is is it the dark times right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the answer in, in BAP five is definitively no. Not yet. They, well, it, they go through the they go through. A they go dark. through a fucking bit big shit fuck off war. Yeah. Yes. Spoilers for season three of Babylon five, which came out in nineteen ninety five. Which but you should, should totally uh, see, uh, and I'm not going to actually spoil for for anyone. But there's a war because it's a space epic. There's yeah. a war in space. Yeah, right? I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's. I think it's post cyberpunk because it has cyberpunk influences, but it is. It does, but it also has more of the Star Trek because it is hard science. Yeah, and it, but and it's very hopeful. Yeah, at the end, yeah. I mean, yeah. They do. Well, no, it's hopeful throughout. That's yeah. that's one of the nice things about it. Yeah. Faith manages. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I think we've really hit a lot of the hype. And we're also out of time. Yeah. So yeah, we are. Well, I'm sure we'll revisit this when Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. As soon yeah. as I get a new computer. <laughs> oh, quick yeah. aside. Um, the Ares Predator in Shadowrun is totally just the RoboCop gun without the full auto feature. Yeah, it really is. I just thought that or, was and, and the Ares And the RoboCop, RoboCop gun was based on a real gun. It's, it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon with a firearm. Right. Like you have the actual gun, and then you have the thing that the, the fictional gun that inspired it, and then another fictional gun that inspired from the gun. Yeah, it's a gunception. Basically. Right, gunception. Right. <laughs> we'll talk about something else more in two weeks. Up later. Bye. <laughs> this podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter U in the number eighty-two. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. If you listen on iTunes, please rate us. Also, please check out our Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. Uh, If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by making a one-time donation on our website, or a reoccurring one on Patreon, at patreon.com slash workingtheory. A final thought. This outro and this episode upload are happening in the short period of time where Neil's internet has decided to cooperate. Seriously, I'm getting sick of Mediacom.